May these words of my mouth and this meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you remember the first time you had a work of art really speak to you, touch you deeply, command your attention, and perhaps you continue to picture it in your mind all these years later? Even if your memory is a bit faulty on the specifics of dimension or color, you vividly remember the feeling it gave you. One of my first meaningful encounters with art, really studying it closely, pondering all that it represented and all that it took to create it, was when I was about 12 years old. Part of the impact was surely the unlikely location. It was a foundry, on a tiny island at the end of a chain of islands in the Bahamas. Little Harbor is home to a bronze foundry and an art gallery that still creates some incredible sculpture. I'd been on a boat for weeks at this point, with only my parents and a tall stack of books for company. So this gallery was a treat for the senses, and for the imagination. Of course, being located on an island in the ocean, much of the sculpture was island-themed. Fish, tropical birds, and the like. But the large sculpture that mesmerized me so was called Fisher of Men. It was a man, Peter, I assume, leaning back under the strain of pulling a full net, a net that was bulging with a mass of humanity within its ropes. I remember the look on the fisherman's face, strained, determined, exhausted, and yet somehow with an aspect of hope. I remember looking for such a long time at the detail of all of the faces on the bodies within the net. I'd love to go back in time and count to see if they might possibly number 153. Some faces looked peaceful. Some were smiling. Some were in tears of joy or sorrow, I don't know probably both. Some definitely looked afraid. I think that's a pretty accurate representation of all of the emotions we experience when caught up in a life with Christ. I have thought of that sculpture so many times in the last 40 years. And while neither wallet nor boat could afford the heft of a sculpture, the free and weightless memory has never left me. Peter and several of the disciples are found here at the end of this Gospel of John, 
doing what they were doing when we and Jesus first met many of them. They're fishing. This three-year adventure with Jesus seems to have come to an end. And they aren't sure what to do next. Or if they are sure, they're unclear if they're up to the task. They resort to what they know. They return to their trade, fishing. And even that isn't going very well. Mary Magdalene knew Jesus when he called her name. Thomas knew Jesus when he saw his wounds. Peter knows Jesus through abundance. The Gospel of John repeatedly identifies Jesus through acts of abundance. The jars and jars of wine at the wedding at Cana. The feeding of the 5,000 with leftovers. And this full, bursting net of 153 fish. And we can't forget Jesus' own words in John 10.10. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Peter recognizes Jesus by the abundance of the catch. Once on the beach, we find Peter again at a charcoal fire. And if this brings some of you back to Good Friday and Peter by a charcoal fire in the courtyard, I think that's intentional. These two scenes are linked by the tangible, the fire, and by the intangible, the series of three questions posed to Peter and his ensuing answers. Where I feel called to stray from a lot of commentary on this particular connection is in this. Many say that this scene on the beach where Jesus repeatedly asks Peter if he loves him is an act of forgiveness. That Jesus is absolving Peter from his thrice denial of being his disciple before the crucifixion. I just don't buy that. I don't experience Jesus as a shamer in that way. Does Jesus ask Peter because he is pushing Peter, testing him, as some commentators would suggest? Or does Jesus ask ask because he needs Peter to see himself as Jesus sees him, to fully believe that he is enough, he loves Jesus enough, and he is capable of discipleship. Is he pushing Peter to forgive himself? All throughout the Gospel of John, we hear Jesus proclaim, I am On Good Friday, with that series of three questions by a charcoal fire in the courtyard, we heard Peter declare, I am not. Here on this beach, Jesus is reminding Peter of his original call. When he dropped his net the first time 
to follow Jesus and become a fisher of people. Jesus is reminding Peter of his faith in him and the gift of abundance to believe he has been equipped. And that while he is most certainly not Jesus, he is tasked with doing Jesus' work in the world. After all, by definition, my friends, being a disciple is not being the teacher. Peter can believe in himself, and he can believe in his call. The same Peter who has been acting out of scarcity of courage and confidence is reminded of God's abundance and that he is tasked to simply do the best he can, to be the best disciple he can. This Peter who wants all of himself washed by Jesus, not just his feet, This same Peter who impetuously cut off the ear of Malchus. This same Peter who gets dressed before he jumps into the water. (laughs) Peter who denied not Jesus, but his own ability to be Jesus' disciple. Who among us hasn't felt that way? A time or two. Jesus' thrice repeated question Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? points Peter to the abundance of love that he does have for Jesus and the abundance of trust Jesus has in him. Trust that he can live. And serve as a disciple, however imperfect. Jesus speaks this trust three times to Peter. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. That is a gift of abundance. I often think of the face of the fisher of men of Peter on that sculpture. Strained, determined, exhausted, and yet somehow with an aspect of hope. The call to follow Christ is not for the faint of heart. But it is also a life filled with moments, profound moments, and reminders of love, and abundance.